This episode is dedicated to Dave Apples Crocker. You will always be with us, buddy. KK Lol. Open your eyes. Hey everybody, welcome to Ramcast. How's it going? How you doing? Hey you in the back there, how are you? Are we well? How's it my China? I'm uh, Ryan Mathers. Welcome to Ramcast. On today's uh, episode, we are going to be looking at one of my favorite films of all time. And uh, a major, major cult classic that has arrived in the years. When it came out, it was quite derided. It was not liked it was seen as trying to be too many things but now when you speak to people it's often one of their favorite films and that is of course today we are talking about the Cameron Crowe directed Tom Cruise starring and produced Vanilla Sky but before we jump into Vanilla Sky we're going to jump into another reoccurring segment where sometimes I've interviewed my dog sometimes you've heard a strange man singing and you're going to hear him again, because it is time for... The Best of the Week! And if you're New Year, and you're wondering what the Best of the Week is, the Best of the Week is where I tell you about something that uh, brought me joy, or gave me happiness, or gave me hope in the last seven days. And the reason for that is because, you know, there's a lot of negativity in this world. There's always people moaning or you're having some sort of internal dialogue about all the things going wrong with your life. It's really, really good to stop that and try zero in. Try focus on something that you love or something that gave you happiness. And you will find it does amazing, amazing things for you with your mental health and with the people around you and just in general, you feel better. So that's what this is about. So my best of the week goes to my PS5. <laughs> it's a weird one. But uh, yeah, I've had an incredible gaming run lately that's brought me so much joy. Um, where I've had these games and been playing them and just had one banger after another. And with one being particularly, particularly good, which I'll get into. So, played the new Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Mirage. It's a smaller ass than normal. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I had such a blast with it. It, it took, me, uh, took me back to my old school love of Assassin's Creed, of that real stealth gameplay, and it was fantastic. Then, had a bash with Robocop Rogue City, which gave me so much nostalgia from my childhood. It was ridiculous. I mean, it is... I love this game. It is batshit crazy, violent as all hell. It looks beautiful as well. And the love for the source material there really shines through. Uh, I had such a blast with that game. But the granddaddy, the one that really, really takes the cake, was Spider-Man 2. Now, Spider-Man 2 is not only an incredible technical achievement in gaming, it's got such a level of polish on it, it's amazing. It's also a tour de force in different game styles inside this game. So, yes, it's you play a Spider-Man and it's an action, you know, swing around the city, beat up, you know, bad guys type thing, but 
There's so many other things running around in there that it's incredible. But the main thing with Spider-Man 2, and I've got to be very, very careful about this because I've got people listening that have yet to still play this game and are obsessed with this game, so I do not want to spoil it with them. But the main thing with Spider-Man 2 is the story. The story in this game is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best video game storyline that's been done. Sorry, Arkham Asylum. Sorry, Arkham City. Those games are very, very close to my heart. But this, what they do with this storyline, incredible stuff. And uh, this is where I wanted to chat about this a little bit because it's no spoiler because it's in the trailer. It's actually even on the marketing of the box of the game. The story of Spider-Man 2 involves the uh, symbiote storyline. And if you don't know what that is, it's going to sound a little bit wacky, but it's my favorite storyline in all of Spider-Man. They've never quite got it right. I'm looking at you, Spider-Man 3. They did an amazing job of it in the animated series with one of the best voice actor performances of all time. Shocker! I'll chase you to the ends of the earth! <laughs> amazing. Go look that up on YouTube. Spider-Man, the animated series. The, the symbiote uh, storyline. But basically what it is, is Peter Parker as Spider-Man gets infected with an alien symbiote and it's like this black goo that it attaches onto him and it turns him into this black suited spider-man but what it also does the symbiote is it um, amplifies the negative emotions of the host that uh, it's residing in so all of peter parker's anger and you know really repressed emotions because peter parker's quite a you know He's a funny, wisecracking, you know, guy, but he has a hard life, man. He, Peter Parker's storyline in terms of, you know, the things that he went through, the brother had a rough one. So he's got all this emotion repressed and that symbiote brings it out of him and it brings it out of him in terrible ways. Now, there's a twofold reason why I'm talking about this. One, I love this game, but also... The past couple of weeks, I've been going through my own little symbiote thing. No, I don't have an alien attached to me that's making me run around in a black suit. No. What I do have is emotions and repressed emotions that are coming out um, that really reared their head in the last uh, couple of weeks. And it's been difficult to deal with, uh, but in the same way has been therapeutic or has had uh, a positive effect. Because it was, you know, things that I didn't hadn't looked at in a very, very long time. And I suppose I should get to it that what the symbiote, quote unquote, brings out of me. It's a, it's an intense anger. There's a very repressed anger inside of me for various reasons. And um, because of that, that can lead to a very, very extreme self-destructive phase or or need, if you will. And from that comes the, the second symbiote emotion, which is guilt and shame for actions that I've done or people that I've hurt or things that I've said. Well, I've got all this anger and I'm trying to get it out, but I'm trying to destroy myself at the same time. But And it's all just this, you know, snake eating its own tail and it, it gets you into an absolute spin and an absolute cycle. So... Yeah, so I've been dealing a bit with my, my symbiote. I think I, I got it off, uh, ripped it off. There's ways 
that it comes off in the comics um, and in the the Spider-Man gang, but uh, I won't I won't spoil that for you. But yeah, and I'm I'm feeling a lot better and I'm happy and I'm I'm feeling positive about the future ahead. And I was having a bit of a problem with that. And yeah, so here we are. I just want to say to anybody out there that's dealing with something that's listening to this right now and you're going through your own thing, you know, be it emotional or financial or spiritual or in a relationship that's maybe not going the right way or something, take a moment now and just, this is going to sound really silly, but it really, really works. Just breathe for a couple of moments now. Just inhale and exhale and don't focus on the problem, whatever it is at the moment. Just let it be. Just let it wash with the breath and see what happens as you relax a little bit. And the more you do that, the better you will feel. And listen, I'm no head shrink. I'm no psychiatrist or psychologist. Um, So if you have serious issues, please go chat to somebody. It is the way forward. But I'm just uh, giving an example of something that's helped me recently. Just to take a moment, just breathe and not focus so much on the problem because the problem is just in your head. It's just there. It's not actually in reality. It's not in front of your eyes. Well, might be, sorry, but generally 99% of the time. So just take that moment now and just breathe it out. And there we go. And that is the best of the week. We're now going to move to uh, two listener questions for this week. And they come from Chris and Terrence. And Chris would like to know, what is an actor or actress that you feel was snubbed for an Oscar that is not Leonardo DiCaprio? Thank you very much for the question, Chris. And uh, yeah, okay, so I'll give an actress and then I'll give an actor that I I strongly feel should have won awards for the films that uh, they were in. And the first one has got to be Amy Adams for Arrival. She is doing such an understated, emotive an incredibly complex performance in that film that I feel like it almost gets brushed under the carpet a little bit. And it really shouldn't. There, There is things going on with her acting in that film that is absolutely incredible. If you haven't seen Arrival, it's a, a Denis Villeneuve film. I don't want to say too much about it. Just go watch it. Trust me. Incredible, incredible film. Another movie where this man... He should have, you see, he's won Golden Globes and what have you, and but he's never quite got the Oscar. And while he, many people say he should have got it for Born on the Fourth of July, we're obviously talking about Tom Cruise here, who we're going to talk about quite a bit later. The film that I feel he absolutely gave it balls and all and really showed a vulnerability on screen that I don't think he's done since then. And that, of course, is in Magnolia. In Magnolia, Tom Cruise gives a performance which he has not given since then. He really hasn't. He, There is a particular scene where he shows such vulnerability that it, it blurs the line. Also because of what is happening in that moment in the story, it blurs the line between him acting and him actually having a visceral emotional moment captured on film if you know what i'm talking about you'll you'll know exactly the scene but if you haven't seen magnolia like i said with amy adams and arrival go check it out 
it's a it's a bit strange. It's got some odd moments, but uh, yeah, for Tom Cruise's performance, holy hell, go watch it. On to our second question, which comes from Terence. He would like to know, what is an actor that never played Batman but should have? Thank you very much, Mr. Terence. Now, the person that it's very difficult to cast Batman actually before I go into that because you can't quite get him right as he is in the comics it's actually almost impossible because you've got this you know six foot two brooding bat guy who is like bordering on insanity and then you've got this playboy billionaire who's you know kind of just doing his thing and whatever and is ruggedly handsome and this bachelor and having this crazy you know lamborghini style life so you've got to find somebody who can play both of those the guy that always got my uh, my tick based purely on just his aesthetic and his look and everything was army hammer but you know unfortunately then he had to become a cannibal so you know he's he's off the list but the man who I really think could fill the, the cowl, who could do it and could do justice for both roles, and I know he's been up for the role before, is Mr. Jake Gyllenhaal. He, we all know he can become a brick shithouse and get buff and what have you, but he's got that craziness in his eyes. He can do the smooth and he can do the dapper and he can do this and he can do that, but he's got that crazy, he's got that little bit of psychosis in his eyes which you need for batman so mr terence that would be uh my pick for bruce wayne batman mr donnie darko himself jake gyllenhaal and that brings us to the end of the listener question segment we're gonna take a quick little break and then when we come back we're gonna have a nice little discussion about vanilla sky stick around catch you after this Welcome back, everybody, to Ramcast, where we are having a discussion about the 2001 Tom Cruise film, Vanilla Sky. Written, directed, produced by Cameron Crowe. This is the second collaboration between Cruise and uh, Crowe, after Jerry Maguire. And the differences between Jerry Maguire and Vanilla Sky cannot be overstated. So... There's a certain way that I wanted to do these film discussions or these deep dives, if you will. I chatted about this a little bit on our Star Wars episode that I did about Obi-Wan Kenobi. But when it comes to these film deep dives or these film discussions, I'd like to keep them quite loose. I don't want to go through every plot point, every Easter egg. It will take too much time. It will eventually become boring because you're just hearing me word vomit about things. This is a film that I deeply love for many, many reasons. And I'll just like to share that with you. Why I have such a personal connection with this film. A little bit about what the film's about. We're going to focus a little bit on the beginning and then the ending. And then we're going to look at the interpretation of the entire film. So let's get to it. So, Vanilla Sky is the story about David Ames, played by Tom Cruise, who is 
a young, successful, handsome guy living in Manhattan who owns a publishing firm he inherited from his father. And while his life looks perfect on paper and perfect when you're watching it on the film, the film begins in an interesting way because it shows you what the reality is of David's life, where he wakes up, he does his normal routine, he has a TV that comes out of the floor, which is still something that I've always wanted, but he goes outside and he sees that there's nobody else around him and that he's completely alone. And he drives down to Times Square and he realizes how alone he is and he's just surrounded by pop culture and everything. And he starts screaming because he's going mad. And that's what David's life really is. He is alone and he is meaningless and he has no meaning in life and he's searching for connection but he can't get connection through the work that he does or you know the relationships that he's having he's he's searching for this deep love and this deep connection and he finds that in the form of Sophia played by Penelope Cruz But because of the consequences of David's actions, which is something he finds out later on, he has a very extreme thing happen to him. He is currently in a sexual relationship, kind of friends with benefits, if you will. Story with a girl named Julie Gianni, played by Cameron Diaz. And while he thinks everything's, you know, fantastic and, you know, they're friends and sometimes they sleep together, Julie is madly in love with him. To the point of obsession. Which is also something that David will learn later on. And she uh, she propositions him. She finds him outside of Sophia's apartment. Now, I should state as well that Vanilla Sky is a remake. It is based on the 1997 Spanish film Open Your Eyes. By Alejandro Amenaba. And the film also starred uh, Penelope Cruz in the Sophia role. And uh, in that version of the film, in the original, it's more explicit where Julie offers sex to David again even after he spent the night with Sophia uh, or another one night stand and he gets in the car with her in Vanilla Sky it's a little bit more ambiguous but the fact remains David gets in that car when he shouldn't have and that costs him everything it costs him his relationship with Sophia which is something that's dealt with and something he only realizes much later on and what happens is uh Julie confesses her her feelings to David and says one of the lines in cinema that always makes people winch a little bit. I've yet to see a person hear that line that Julie Gianni says and not go a little, ooh, you know. And uh, she confesses her love for him and she asks him if he believes in God and then she crashes a car intentionally and commits suicide with him in the car. And in the process, he uh, gets heavily disfigured and yeah is in a coma and can't get plastic surgery to correct himself or anything like that so his life completely changes and from there he tries to reconnect with Sophia and he can't and he fails miserably and he ends up drunk and alone on the side of the road and when he wakes up his life is completely different Sophia is there and helps him rebuild his life. But we later learn that that is an entire fantasy created by David. He woke up alone on the side of that road. Sophia never came to rescue him, and he went home hungover and alone. And that's the reality that he couldn't deal with, and the pain of the headaches and the longing for Sophia. And eventually he takes his own life, and decides to rather live 
a life of dreams uh, with this lucid dream and experience the life that he could have had with Sophia. Eventually gets to the point where the night where the dream starts becoming a nightmare because his subconscious is attacking him. Literally, it's telling him that something is wrong here. You need to wake up. You can't live like this. It will eventually destroy you because your demons will resurface. And they do in the form of uh, Julie Gianni, of her swapping places with Sophia and him accidentally thinking that he's now killed Sophia and he's in jail and on and on it goes. Which leads to the ending of Vanilla Sky and my favorite scene of Vanilla Sky, which is kind of the whole point of why I did this breakdown episode, if you will. And it is the scene in the elevator where David is told by tech support who run his lucid dream what happened with his real life and what is the the consequences of the choices that he made. And during this entire scene, there is a beautiful piece of music by Nancy Wilson called The Elevator Beat, which is on the soundtrack for Vanilla Sky. And this piece of music I have always loved and it's 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 deeply, deeply, deeply important for me because while it has melancholy tone to it, it has this vibe of saying, some, of remembering something, even though it's sad and even though it didn't go the way you wanted it to go, you're still happy for the memory of it. And I've always got that in that piece of music. And that's kind of what David is going through in that moment. He's reliving his life and his death and everything and the consequences of his actions and just going through the motions, but not with sadness, but with remembrance. He then gets to the roof and decides he doesn't want to live a life of dreams anymore. He wants to live a real life. And this is a theme that has been running through David's entire life, even before he went into the lucid dream. He's always been searching for this real, real love, real connection, or a real moment, and never quite got there until this moment where he's 150 years in the future, and he's sleeping in, you know, frozen status. But he's finally ready to make that choice to go find that real life, something of substance, something of meaning. And so he says goodbye to Sophia one last time, says goodbye to his friend Brian, says goodbye to the psychiatrist McCabe, played by um, Kurt Russell, and jumps off the building. And while he's falling, he sees his life flashing before his eyes. And there's some interesting little tidbits there because there's actual images of Tom Cruise and his, his real-life mother inserted in there. It's actually quite beautiful. And as he hits the ground, you know, goes white and, you know, Relax, David. Open your eyes. Now, there's a couple of interpretations for the ending of Vanilla Sky. And this is kind of where I'm going to start to end off this discussion. So so Cameron Crowe himself, on the director's commentary for the film, says that there are five different ways to interpret the ending of Vanilla Sky. There is the main one where tech support is telling the truth. 150 years has passed since David killed himself and everything since then has been a form of the lucid dream. So the film as it's presented is the actual fact. Another interpretation is is that the film, the entire film is a dream, which is evidenced by the sticker on David's car right at the beginning when he drives out of his apartment, which reads 2301, which is February 30th, which does not occur in the Gregorian calendar. Another interpretation is that the events after the crash are a dream 
that David is experiencing while he is comatose. Another interpretation is that the entire film is the plot of the book that his friend Brian is writing that is mentioned once. And another interpretation is that the entire film after the crash is an hallucination caused by drugs administered during David's reconstructive surgery. So there are many ways that you can look at Vanilla Sky. And I would love to hear your guys' interpretation. But I would like to give my interpretation of Vanilla Sky. And by no means do I feel that this is the, you know, absolute, this is what happened thing. But for me, this is what I've always thought this film is about. It's what it means to me. It is my interpretation of it. And whenever I think of the film, this is what I think it is about. So Vanilla Sky for me is always... The story of somebody who falls in love, but completely messes it up due to the consequences of their actions. Okay. They then spend the next 150 years, basically, becoming the person that they should have been from the start when they met this person that they loved. But unfortunately, by then, it is too late. And what's also really sad about David's situation is he actually never knew Sophia. He he had this love for her for 150 years, but he wasn't in love with Sophia, the person. He was in love with the idea of Sophia. He was in love with his mind's interpretation of what Sophia should have been. And we do this every day in real life as well, where our partners are are always vetted or... Um, critiqued against the checklist that we have inside our heads of who this perfect partner is or whoever you imagine your partner is being. And they're not that in reality, but in your mind, you think they are. And that's what David's done, but just on a, a grander scale where he's actually invented this person. And normally, you know, this is things that we pick up from our parents, negative or positive uh, attributes that form this perfect partner in our head, this so-called soulmate or twin flame or whatever the hell you want to call it but for david it's through pop culture and that's why you know when his vanilla sky dream begins it's all pop culture references it's all album covers and that's what sophia becomes because that's david's interpretation of love and that's what he thinks that looks like and it also shows the growth of his character in that he realizes that while he barely knew the woman sophia the actual living breathing person and love the idea for so long he has to let it go and he has to wake up and experience a real life and find a real person because he's just going to get stuck if he continues down that fantasy road and that's always been my interpretation of vanilla sky Whew, righty ho anyway there we go nice little in-depth sort of chat about vanilla sky my interpretation of it, interpretation of the endings i'd love to hear your guys thoughts about the film if you haven't seen the film i don't know why the hell you are listening to this stop what you're doing go watch the movie try not think about all the spoilers i just told you and if you have seen the film and it's one of your favorites let me know what your interpretation of the ending is let me know your thoughts about the film what your favorite scenes are i'd love to hear from you that's it for uh, this week's episode of Ramcast. You can come find me 
at Uncle Ram ZA. So that's at U-N-C-L-E-R-A-M-Z-A at Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Threads. And now I'm on Twitter as well, or X, or whatever the hell it's called these days. Whatever Uncle Elmo is calling it at the moment. Funny story about Uncle Elmo also. Did you see the news that Darren Aronofsky is doing a film about his life? Yo, my bro, that is going to be something, let me tell you. And I don't think Uncle Elmo is going to like it. But yeah, there we go. It's been, uh, it's been a week. It's been a jaw. Thanks for hanging out with me, guys. And uh, before I go, I'm not going to leave you with uh, some crazy long quotes or anything like that. Or some great story. I'll just leave you with this little question from Vanilla Sky. That tech support asked David. And it goes like this. It's been a brilliant journey of self-awakening. And now you've simply got to ask yourself this. What is happiness to you, David? And what is happiness to you guys out there? Have a great week further. Cheers.